Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey, hey welcome, welcome to, to the 200th, 200th episode of, of Just Shoot It, it a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Matt Kaplan, And that's Matt Enlow. And this is our 200th episode, which is why we did that dumb intro for you guys. And gals. It took us three everyone. tries to get that good. <laughs> it did. And for this episode, we thought we'd do like a state of the podcast. Um, you know, it's been a while. We've been broadcasting since April or May of 2015. So we're almost hitting our five-year mark. And it's been a fun ride. I think since we started broadcasting, this is, uh, you know, Matt is producing a feature right now, which is pretty cool. It also means he's very busy. So I decided to come up with a list of topics to throw at Matt. They're all about our podcast. And I think that anyone and even casual listeners of our podcast will enjoy this because it's all about why we podcast as filmmakers. And then we're going to listen to a listener question that will segue into us talking about our favorite takeaways from the last 100 episodes. So this episode is going to be filled with a ton of awesome tidbits of things we've learned from other filmmakers. And also just a little bit of like a deeper look into like why we're doing this and what the whole point of life is. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice excuse to get a little introspective. Yeah. Okay. You ready, Matt? Yeah. Okay. So I got a bunch of topics, four of them to be precise. So the first one I wanted to talk about is kind of based on a pet peeve. And I brought this up to you before, but I hear a lot of these filmmaking podcasts and the people that host them always set them up as that the motivation they have to make the podcast is because they want to give back to the community. They want to contribute to other young filmmakers. They want to help people out. And that's why they're making the podcast. The reason it's a pet peeve for me is because I feel like that's just like not true. And it makes you sound like you're like the most generous giving person when in reality, like the reason we're filmmakers and creatives is because we like to make things and the podcast is just another thing that we make and we are like literally just like talking about ourselves like once a week. So I guess I just I just wanted to ask you like what your thoughts were on the balance between ego and generosity that sure. uh, comes out of the podcast. I, well, so two things. I, yeah, because I think that it's important. I think that 
the idea of like contributing to the community and you know promoting podcast all this stuff it does make having a podcast has raised our profile or at least our confidence or our notoriety in some way my agent doesn't give a fuck about the podcast um but my manager does but your manager does yeah that's true that's true and i think that we've both worked uh, both booked a significant amount of work through the podcast because people became aware of us and then wanted to work with us so it would be foolhardy or or just a just false to not pretend that it doesn't promote us right like the, and that's part of the impetus behind it it's like oh like we get to do this thing that we really like doing we talk about our career and it brings us a little bit more notoriety which or keeps us top of mind so that we get brought up for jobs more frequently so and we get to meet a ton of awesome filmmakers and yeah, learn a bunch from and them. learn from them a hundred percent and I, the fact that our listeners get something out of it is just like a nice bonus on top of that so but the the more important part the po- more important lesson that i kind of have to continue to remind myself of is that the selfless thing the good thing right the conscientious thing to do is also the selfish thing to do Right, so we are creating value for people, and therefore it is promoting us. So it's not to discredit the lessons that everybody learns from this podcast because of the great guests that we have, right? And and because like you know the process of introspection out loud is valuable for people, um, and so that can be both selfish and good for the community at the same time. And I think that that is most commonly true in everything like the right way to do something the generous way to do something is also the thing that helps you the most yeah i agree but i guess i still feel like i don't know when people talk about how much money they're spending you know on their podcast because you know we spend money on this we lose money on this we take time out of our week to do this but it's because it's fun sometimes for me it's like the most fun thing of my week and yeah like hearing from listeners is like it's like getting a comment on a YouTube video. It's like you get like an adrenaline rush. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. As filmmakers or people that are like kind of trying to be creative in a field that like, you know, when you make a short film, like all you want is for people to watch it. You know, when you make a commercial, when you make a movie um, and you want them to like it. And so for us, like trying to make the podcast good and trying to talk about things we think our listeners like you all want to hear is obviously it's for you. We want you to like the podcast, but we want you to like it because it makes us feel good, good when you yeah. like it. So yeah, yeah. Which also, which I guess, what all I mean to say is that doesn't mean that doesn't make it less valuable that we're doing it for selfish oh, yeah. reasons. That's all. yeah, yeah, yeah. All I'm throwing out is when people are like, "Well, I'm just giving back to the community for free," or for like you know whatever few dollars you get from like the various events and, and fundraising things and sponsorships. It's you know I just want to be real with people and say yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And to sell that point extra hard, if you want to hire Matt or me, we are uh, always looking at opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Because uh, I feel That's like true. sometimes but, people listen to this podcast and they're like, oh, yeah, they're directors. They're doing their own thing. And we are. And it's fun. But, you know, I think as, again, filmmakers and stuff, we we always love to hear about what projects you guys have. And if there's any time any of us can be involved in it, especially, you know, if there's like some sort of business goal or charity goal or anything that just seems kind of cool that would excite us then we'd love to hear about it yeah yeah definitely i guess i was just trying to say that there's also a little bit of a learning lesson of like you know just being reminded that being generous and helping your friends just it comes back around that's all i mean yeah 
right? And I think like in making a this feature right now, you know, and you know, needing background or needing favors from people or you know, all sorts of things. Yeah, I was right? wondering why everyone in the background of all of the party scenes you guys are shooting is wearing uh, a sh- just shoot it hat. Or everyone. <laughs> but now I understand. Hey, listen, uh, shout out to uh, listener Brendan Lubin. He rented me the camera. I found his camera on ShareGrid and was like, hey, hook, you know, I'd love to rent this camera. And uh, he gave me a very generous discount. He said explicitly because he appreciates the podcast so much. Cool. Right. So like, I didn't know this guy. I wasn't anticipating any sort of like listener discount or just shoot a discount but got one and i think it's because you're just you know we're just trying to do something cool for people and also that ultimately is a very selfish thing to do yeah so bottom line don't appreciate us okay thank you <laughs> so number two this is something that's been happening to me all the time and we've talked about it before but like people keep asking me to go to coffee with them <laughs> and uh and i have again a few more pet peeves around this a lot of them you know, our listeners and they're like, hey, I'm in LA and I'd love to go get coffee with you. So first of all, if you are inviting me for coffee, I it's not about the money, but like, get me a coffee, you know, when we meet up, like pay, pretty yeah. much it's happened almost zero of the times I've met someone for coffee. Like if we say we're going to meet up at 10 a.m., then maybe show up at like 9.55 a.m. So, um, you know, I'm there when you're going to get there. And I know it sounds like a dumb thing, but it's like, you know, I'm like carving out like 45 minutes or an hour to hang out with someone. And then we're each spending like 10 minutes buying ourselves coffee. And like, if you're, if you invite someone out for coffee, if you initiate it, then just buy them the coffee. I just think that's a thing. I mean, if I ask someone a coffee. I think this is an early lesson, actually. I think that this was like a topic that I used to feel. Um strongly about and and feel less strongly about actually now um because it kind of depends on like who's who's asking for coffee if it's like somebody who is like really just starting out and doesn't have any money yeah I'm to buy them a I mean coffee. I, we always go to but Starbucks like, but, so a, like but a listen. I mean and it's again sure. it's not about the money and it's like yeah, yeah. most times the people even offer to buy me the coffee I'll just say like no I got it but like just I guess it just annoys me that people are like saying, I'd love to get you a coffee. And then we show up and they don't offer to get me a coffee. It's just like, so that already like kind of sets me off on the wrong track. And then they have no specific thing they want to talk about. They just wanted to meet me. And then I'll Mm. be like, so what's up? Mm -hmm. What do you want? And they'll say like, well, I just want some advice on the film business. Like, you know, I really want to get a job as a director or even a PA. Like, okay, well, A, that did not warrant a coffee you know, and B, I can't get you a job as a director, you know? Well, and, and more, I mean, maybe lead with C, all of our best advice <laughs> is on this show. Yes. Uh, like any, any good nugget that I have to drop, if you've listened to the show, you know, is already there. Yeah. So just if you invite us or anyone else to coffee, have like some topics, like specific questions and things you want to talk about when we meet. And a lot of times now I'll just be like, well, I can't meet for coffee, but I'm happy to get on a phone call. And people will be like, well, when can you meet for coffee? And it's like, honestly, there's like no difference between, I mean, there is a difference, but like, I guess I get even like when I'm meeting you for coffee, I'm making more of an effort. And I no, I sound like a dick right now, but it just has happened to me so many times in the last two months 
where people like want to meet for coffee and we meet and they just don't have anything to say. So just kind of think about like what the person you're asking for coffee is going to get out of this. I, you know, I think maybe we can twist this also, Oren, because I think that there, there is a, a difference as a longtime podcast listener. I think that people tend to develop a, a very personal, sometimes emotional relationship with the people who have podcasts. You know, certainly I feel that way about like my favorite podcasters. You feel like you've known them for a long time. Right. And so I, I would probably I, not blame ask, anyone. Like, John August to go have coffee unless I'm want to pitch him something or I have an opportunity that I think he would be interested sure. in or I have like some uh, like notes. I don't know. I would just be like, I would just start with right. an email. You know, there's nothing wrong with emails. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely. And like we all have busy lives and like, you know, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that I think that there is a lesson to be learned about taking generals or just meetings, you know, being pointed. Like I've botched plenty of generals because I walked in and didn't really know what I was going to talk about or why I was going to be pertinent to the person that I was meeting. Oh, yeah. You know, I, and so I, that's a... Yeah. Sorry, sorry for interrupting. I want to throw out that I have done this incredibly wrong many, many times myself, just like you said, the general. Yeah. I've gone to so many general meetings where I didn't say anything and basically wasted yeah. somebody's time. So, so my point is, I get why people would like to meet a podcast host that they that we are also quite accessible, you know? And so I get it. So that that's part of what the live shows are for, right? It's like, you know, get to meet us, but also like all of the other people in that room who also probably have the same or similar sensibilities to you. But also when you are initiating coffee meetings with people in the industry, you have to do a good job of respecting their time. And that's, you know, whether that's us or like people who maybe, you know, you're, are friends of friends or friends of family members or things like that. Like you have to be pointed of like, how, not just like, how can I get a job? Cause that's not really super actionable, but like, you know, maybe you've done your research and you say, Hey, you know what? I really love the stuff they're doing at Ellen digital, or I really love what's what super lounge is doing. Uh, can you make an introduction? And then, you know, the answer is probably still no, unless you are really ready but maybe we can help, you know, direct you in very specific ways. Yeah, I guess if you had questions that were like beyond the things that we cover in the podcast in specificity of like, these are my targets, how can I hit them? That's a much easier conversation to have than like, hey, welcome to LA. Can I, I'll tell you one kind of good example I had of this interaction recently. I had a cousin from Florida that recommended friend of his that moved to LA, he told him, you know, he asked me if he could give him my phone number and we could talk. And the guy said, he texted me, he said, Hey, can I take you out to coffee? And I said, uh, I'm no, but do you want to get on the phone? Let's talk. And so he scheduled a phone call. We got on the phone. He had, first of all, he was familiar with my work. He listened to a couple episodes of our podcast. And I said, so what's up? And he's like, Hey, I'm like a new writer director in town. I've done these things. You know, I'd love to send you a link to my video and, um, you know, we talked about his writing a lot and I encouraged that. And then he told me about some projects he had and he sent me like a couple scripts and I read, you know, I kind of skimmed a couple of them and saw, looked at some log lines and gave him some feedback and kind of told him like, Hey, this, this one actually kind of seems interesting. If you ever want to do anything with this, you know, let me, or if you're interested in notes, I'll give you some, maybe we can work on it together. And it like, I felt like it was like a 40 minute phone call or something. We both got something out of it. And 
it kind of left the door open for future things. And I think I kind of recommended some other places and people for him to talk to. And I think that's like the good version of, of mm -hmm. what it can be. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. Number three. Sorry. Now I'm realizing this is turning into like Oren's pet peeves. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't wait for this next uh, one. So on the, over the last 200 episodes of the podcast, I think many times I've been very interested in talking about notes and note giving and how to give notes. And mm -hmm. I've even mentioned to people <laughs> that I am happy to give notes on their shorts, on their scripts, on whatever. I think you brought up the fact that maybe we should, maybe like if you're a patron, then um, maybe we'll basically say for sure we'll give you notes on whatever. Because I didn't want to do that, but I've just gotten a lot of emails from people asking for notes that maybe that's like a good way to kind of like limit them yeah. a little bit. Yeah, in the 10, 10, maybe 15 page range, like a short. Yeah, or a short film or whatever. But what started happening a lot is people would like send me a short and they'd be like, hey, I want to get some notes on this. And then I'd like look at the short and it was released on Vimeo in 2018. I'm like, okay, so I'll write back and I'll say, what kind of notes are you looking for? And then they'll write me back and say, you know, just like general feeling, what you liked, what you didn't like. Then I'll spend 20 minutes watching this short and saying like at this time, you know, and I'm not quite sure why this character is, but, you know, I always try to find things that I like. Like I like this shot. I like this thing. I liked the twist. I thought this performance could probably have been tuned or whatever. And then they're like, cool. Well, half the time they don't even respond to me again past that. Or they'll be like, thanks. And I'll realize like, what, like, don't send me an old thing and ask for notes on it. Send me a script that you're about to shoot or send me a short that you're still in editing on because I know just as much yeah. as anyone else. Like when I send someone something that's a hundred percent finished and up on YouTube and out in the world, like I don't want to hear what sucks about it, you know? Um, yeah, I, I guess, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> do you disagree? I, I no, it's not that I disagree. I just want to make sure that there's something tangible. I think, I want to give something tangible to people yeah, so about this. Ask for notes with, while you're making something. Yeah, ask for notes while you're making something, I think is a great point. And also, I think being specific about what kind of notes you want. And, I, you know, I think that it's okay to want to hear that, like, someone likes your movie, right? But I think that... Um, yeah, or if someone's proud, if someone's like, hey, check this out, I made this. We get a lot of emails like that. And when we have time, I think we check them out and we'll relate. And we say, hey, hey that's I awesome. Loved it. That's so cool. Yeah. That's different than notes. Yeah. Notes notes are work. Yeah. Notes implies you know, that I'm going to like sit down, really be thoughtful, worry about your feelings and give you my opinion, which by the way, it can totally be the wrong opinion. <laughs> Right, but but it's also quite fine-tuned. Like, that's a development executive's job oftentimes is to give notes. Most of the time is to give notes. And so, like, you're saying things like, hey, trim this shot. Hey, cut this shot. Hey, you know, reverse this one. Tighten this. I think you can... Re it it's actual work. It's real. Yeah, I find this confusing. You know, painstaking. It's like the same notes yeah. I would give you or you would give me or I would give myself, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think that maybe the other thing to think about is like what are you asking for on a grander level right because i think getting the gratification of like audiences approval totally human totally get it and then there's also the like hey this is a work in progress and i need help to work on it and i think that that oftentimes boils down to finding your collective your brain trust right because like Oren, you were saying before 
oh, like the notes that I that we give each other, they're quite frank and they're, you know, they're, we're counting on each other to be real with each other. Like we've both given each other notes that we didn't want to hear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like notes that like, if they were from a stranger would hurt our feelings. Yeah, we'd be like, you know? Yeah, fuck you. But yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, th- and that's, but that's the point, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but that we fostered over five years of podcasting. I never sent you notes when, before we started the show, we didn't really know each other. But you right. know, like, like building trust with a person who you, you know, their sensibilities are in tune with yours and who will be straight up with you is important. And finding those people, I think is something, you know, everyone has to work a long time to kind of develop, but you know, that's kind of the advantage of film communities and, you know, friends and stuff. So think about that. And also, you know, if you want some just general approval, post that shit on YouTube, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And all that to say, if you want to send us or me a short a real anything i'm happy to give you notes especially if you're a patron of ours um but just you know that's just that's an or an offer only uh, yeah <laughs> just be I'm not, I'm not cognizant of like what you're asking for and the more specific you are the better and also if you don't want any notes that is awesome as well um and and where you are in the process yeah. too right because you like you no one wants to get an edit note on a on when you're coloring right or vice versa you know, if you're like, I haven't touched color yet, then like, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So my final. Final gripe. Final gripe um, based on 200 episodes of the podcast is this is more of like guidelines, I think, that we've developed for ourselves, which is on pitching guests. So people pitch us a lot of guests and we've talked about this before, but I just want to reiterate it because it's our 200th episode that the guests that we are like most excited about having on the podcast a, most likely make their living as a director, and B, have diverse viewpoints from the past guests that, we, that we've had. Mm-hmm. So the things that don't excite us is like how low budget the movie you accomplished is. Your movie looks like $2 million, but you made it for $2,000. Like that is not really something that excites us. And also, I think if your story is like insanely specific to just you... Like you were born in this cult and you did this and you escaped and you made a movie about it. Like, that's awesome. And, you know, I'm sure it's an interesting story. But like, I think the stories we really love are the ones about how you overcame some adversity, how you attached someone, how you got something made, how you came up with an idea, your creative process, uh, things that we can learn lessons from that we can apply to our work and our audience can apply to their work. So, yeah, I mean, I think that we've over the years realized pretty pretty pointedly that like Oren and I are very very similar career wise like our point yeah, of view and we're our like perspective literally is, up against each other for like we're up against jobs. each other all the time so, so we're really just like looking for people who aren't like us in that regard um, who have an interesting story and so certainly you know feel free to pitch us like that, that's wonderful and uh, like I we look at all of them we don't we can't get to all of them but like if you have an interesting story just be thoughtful about the way in which it would be illuminating to people I think that like the if you're leading with your movie cost very little money yeah you shot it in one day or any yeah yeah anything that kind of qualifies why the movie's not that good is not interesting to us (laughs) 
Right. Yeah. If you if you were like, hey, Sundance jury finalist, I wrote and directed it. It's uh, got this incredible story, and I shot it in one day for fifteen dollars on an iPhone. Now we're talking. Yeah. You know, and that's not that's not about. But guess what? How... We might have also just taken you because you're a Sundance jury finalist. And like that other part is like the extra bonus mm-hmm. awesome thing. Yeah. I think about pie is always my favorite example of this movie, of, of this sort of pitch. Pie was made for $16,000 and it was a big deal. But like no one cares about that. That's Darren Aronofsky's first movie. But no one would have cared if that movie wasn't good. So mm-hmm. we're looking for for examples of, you know, directors who have like made good movies that people are excited about talking about and that you are going to want to replicate. You know, like you, you, the listener, want to watch that movie and say, wow, that's, I've never seen anything like that before. I want to make a movie like that. And that's not always the case. That's the special scenario when it's a a super low budget movie. I mean, you know, we wouldn't have asked Joe Swanberg to be on the show until a good 15 movies into his career. You know what I mean? And that guy, I like love his work. But it just it you know, yeah. The, there has to be specificity beyond that. Basically, is all. And but pe- by all means, like you know, send us an email. Right. Just don't be mad. <laughs> you know, we can't right. we can't cram everybody in. And just to piggyback on on top of the good movie thing is like at the end of the day, you can send us like the most interesting filmmaker ever. They've been to outer space. They escaped the Khmer Rouge. Whatever you know, they did all these crazy things. We're still going to go to the website and watch the trailer or of whatever you're promoting. And if we don't think it's that great, we probably aren't going to have you on the podcast, regardless of yeah, like the the backstory. I mean, I guess we're just always looking for a different way in because, like, it would be easy for this show to be the same, you know, first time filmmaker over right. and over again. A different you way know? in, but you're also making stuff that we are excited to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So those are. My four <laughs> gripes <laughs> over the course of 200 episodes. Um, you still like making this show, right, dude? I love it. That's why I'm giving <laughs> advice to people because I'm trying to optimize our experience and our audience's experience. Uh, this is the level of trust them. that Oren has with the listeners, right? He's gone past the, like, the puff piece of like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to tell them that they're great and be done with it. You're giving them the hard notes. You're giving them the notes of, that yeah. a friend gives a friend. I'm giving uh, our audience notes <laughs> on how to interact with us. Um, well, I guess thanks for a, listening, everyone. I guess we lost our entire, entire community of listeners. Um, okay. Well, even if we might have lost them, we still have their voices memorialized in Google voicemails. And so we are going to listen to a voicemail that we got from Jeff from Olympia. This is the second one he left us no bro i think this is the third i'm pretty sure i think potentially the third but jeff from olympia we love you because you leave us voicemails love it love it so much um if you want to leave your own voicemail give us a drop us a line at 2626 shoot one be like jeff yeah hey matt and oren congrats on another year so uh, new year i turned a new leaf I resolved to actually become a Patreon, and I have. I really have enjoyed listening to you guys. Um, it's uh, informative and entertaining, um, and I love the guests that are on. I especially love the uh, 
what was it, the uh, producing month you had, I thought that was one of the best, those some of the best shows out of that. But, you know, I had a question. So you are coming up on 200. I remember when you were like reaching 100 and I was so excited, but now you're reaching that 200 mark, but you have a lot of uh, shows behind you. Just wondering, what are your, I don't know, top three shows that you found most informative or the ones that you enjoyed the most? You know, which shows uh, did you get the most out of and why? So I have another question, too. For the next set of hats, I'm asking you to make them trucker-style hats. Anyway, thanks a lot. Well, Jeff from Olympia, thanks for the voicemail. A lot of good, great things. First of all, you're uh, one of our new patrons, which is awesome. Hey, thanks, I commend Jeff. you for that. Yeah, well done. If that's not an accomplishment, I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, you can also be a patron at patreon.com slash justshootitpod. Um, you also uh, love trucker hats, which makes two out of the three of us. Uh, <laughs> you know, we could maybe make some trucker hats. We'll see. We're looking at new merch options, so we'll yeah. find something. Um, CD holders, <laughs> one of the top leading contenders. Anyway, but the biggest question you asked is uh, what we've gotten out, which episodes we like the most. And I actually skimmed the last 100 episodes and just kind of came up with uh, 20 takeaways from those episodes. And I'm going to see how many of those I can get through in the next 40 minutes, let's say. Oh, boy. And then I'm and they're going to start from most recent to oldest. And we'll see how how fast we can get through this. But would you agree, Matt, that like every single episode we've learned something from our, our listeners? Oh, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. So these are just going to go, I'm going to say the episode number. So in case you, whatever uh, my big takeaway was resonates with you, you can listen to that episode if you haven't heard it. You ready to hear my top 20, Matt? Let's do it. Okay. In reverse chronological order. I'm going to start with 197. That was an episode that Josh Rubin was on very recently. Mm -hmm. And I thought what's interesting about him, he has a movie at Sundance that's playing really soon. And it's about, uh, it's inspired by the Me Too movement. And he said this really obvious thing, but he said that he realized that when you make a movie, it has to be about something, not just like a plot, not just a cool setting, not just based on a true story, but about something bigger that, you know, maybe is even philosophical and can resonate with people in the world. And I thought that that's like just a smart thing because at the very origin of this podcast, we would talk about whether any movie should be made. I think actually Ulrich from Making Movies is Hard had asked us that question. And it was a really hard question to answer, but I feel like Josh kind of answered it by saying like, if your movie is about something, something bigger, mm -hmm. Um, then yeah, it's worth making. Yeah, you know, I think. Um, do you remember the Alan Moore on writing book? What's it called? Yes, it's like a small kind of pamphlet, almost, right? Alan Moore's writing for comics, which I, I think was an unpaid endorsement of mine a long time ago. Um, that's like the main thesis. It's just like it should be about something. Yeah, yeah. And he's uh, famous for like you know he broke, he did a bunch of stuff, but like Swamp Thing was about like environmentalism and like mortality and the soul uh instead of just like a monster who lives in the swamp right yeah and obviously watchmen is about watches 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. um, TikTok or Okay. TikTok. Next episode, 192, Eric B. Fleischman, mm-hmm. EBF. I thought kind of the illuminating thing he said was that he felt like a great movie does not have to be super original, which is something that I think we're always like mm-hmm. struggling with. Like, oh, is this an original idea? Is this unique? Um, and he even presented to us this matrix of idea development that he came up with where he combines the plot from like a genre film with a story from a non-genre film. And we did that in our episode with Elf and It Follows, I think. Uh, and I just kind of liked his approach to making movies and not being so worried about how original mm-hmm. the idea is. Well, and and plot is one thing, right? Plot, we've seen the same plots over and over and over again for years. It's really about specificity and voice, right? And that's something that like, once you get that plot ironed out, you can add more voice and more specificity and like dial things in more. So I think the the aspect of, that conversation that I really liked was just like, it reminded me to just get out of my own way and get a story down and then you'll continue to make it better from there. Yeah. And don't worry about like having this like incredibly unique idea. Mm-hmm. Like just stop worrying, I guess is kind of what I got from him. Yeah. Um. So next episode 194, we had Zach Lepofsky and Adam Stein on. Zach Lepofsky created Shotlister, who's one of our sponsors. Wait, hold on. We're on number four, and we're still in the 90s? We're on number three. (laughs) Okay. And we're in the 90s. (laughs) Right. And we still have one more 90s after this. Um, Yeah. You know, obviously, the more recent episodes are fresher in my mind. That's what a a recency bias is what they call that. Oh, yes. (laughs) For sure. So, uh, Zach and Adam, they're a directing duo, and they both directed a bunch of stuff apart from each other before they made uh, this movie together, Freaks. Uh, premiered at Toronto, which is an amazing film festival and sold and got them like a big universal studio film deal. And I asked them like, why are you guys a directing duo? Like, what do you get from that? Um, Like, do you split the directing work? And they said point blank, like, no, we could both have directed this movie totally by ourselves, but we needed each other to get the script done, you know? Mm -hmm. Accountability. Um, Yeah. And uh, so I thought that was really interesting, like teaming up with, another director just so you can create a project together, which is something I'm constantly trying to do and failing at. But, uh, uh, but I like that idea. And then I also really liked that they had written a script that was pretty much universally panned by all their friends. And they just kept doing table read after table read after table read. And after like 20 table reads, they came up with a script that got Bruce Stern attached and obviously was good enough to, uh, premiere at TIFF. So I just, I loved their kind of iterative process. It kind of inspired me. Again, I, I really uh, spark to the stories that are like, you can start with with turd, with a turd and polish it into a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> turd polish and Kaplan. Love it. Okay. Sounds uh, like a Trump. Episode campaign. 193. This is the last one in the 90s. <laughs> uh-huh. And the last uh, white guy for a while. Uh-huh. Uh, Micah Fitzerman Blue. Um, he wrote A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and he's one of the co-creators of Transparent. Uh, the things I took away from that conversation is that he said that he doesn't worry about like dialogue or scene description. Like he, he worries about it, but he's not precious about it. And really what he's most focused on in a scene is just like a big feeling. Like what's the, the feeling for the scene? Yeah. 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 Smart. And I thought that was like a, because I'm super precious about like, oh, you think I should cut this line, but this line makes the whole scene, you know? 
and I liked uh, that different angle. Another thing that I thought he said was interesting is that at least when they were looking for TV directors on Transparent, like their most important thing was finding a director that's good with actors that can get great performances, which uh, I know we all know is like the job of the director, but sometimes I think, especially closer to the beginning of our careers, we think it's like how cool a shot is, how Mm -hmm. well something's edited, how big budget something feels. Um, And really at the end of the day, the people are at the top of their game and like the TV world just want someone that can get great performances. Um, And I think you and I even talked about that earlier this week about like a director that can get great performances. It has a real promising um, chance in TV. Yeah. Without a doubt. I got one. Yeah. I got one from uh, 183, uh, Elaine Goldsmith Thomas. A thing that really stuck out to me that I really admired about Elaine um, was that she was really good at sticking to her guns. Like this is the producer of Hustlers. This is the producer of Hustlers. You know, like this person told me that they wasn't good. This person t- told me it wasn't good. This person told me it wasn't good. And they were fucking wrong. <laughs> and I'll yeah. never forget the look on her face. She was like, I know this is good. And that's also something that uh, Carrie Gologoli from our development um, episodes uh, talks about sometimes. Maybe off mic, actually. Because we um, we went to college together and I remember it was in that period of time where people were quite opinionated and adamant about like, if you like this movie, you're stupid. Right. (laughs) It was like a a very overt, prevalent attitude in our circle. Yeah. And, and even like afterwards, but it was like a, it was a really, really uh, pervasive, this attitude, you know, like, and um, Carrie knew like coming out of that world that she believed in her own taste. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which is, you know, it's funny because like talk to 50% of USC students think like Die Hard is like the best movie ever made, you know, like. Sure. Well, you know, it's, I think it's actually a smaller percentage than you can think of, but Charles Hood, uh, guest number two on the podcast does think it's the best movie ever made and thinks John McTiernan is maybe, is his number one favorite director of all time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Episode 188, Natalie Metzger. Do you know what I'm going to say that she kind of no. blew my mind with? No. Uh, just this idea that like when you hear good things about like your colleagues or people you met in the film industry, like just send them an email and say, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. It's that's like a good literally one. changed the way I think about things. I always looked at that as like kind of an annoying thing. Like I don't want to annoy someone I don't know that well. But I started doing it ever since she was on the podcast. And everyone, every time I like email someone like, oh, hey, I saw you sold this thing or you got this thing or you had a baby or whatever. Congratulations. They've always been like, whoa, thanks so much for saying that. And I feel like she kind of taught me how to be a better person. (laughs) And, you know, the counterpoint actually is similar sort of thing. Josh McGuire, episode 191, um, talks about the flip side when like, you know, when a company goes under or like. You hear that someone has been ousted, drop them a line and ask them, like, let them know that you're there to help and that if they need any introductions or or help in any way, like you're there for them, I think is another thing that um, is worth worth remembering and is a similar sort of mentality. Yeah. And I think the corollary to Natalie's like write people an email to congratulate them 
is like, don't ask for anything when you're writing that email. Don't say, hey, I saw you sold the show. By the way, I'm available. If you're staffing. Yeah, Yeah. don't do that. Don't do that. Um, Okay, episode 184, Lily Marier. She was uh, an actor on ER for many, many episodes. And she just shadowed forever uh, until she got her opportunity to direct tv we had another director hanalee culpepper that also shadowed like 60 times or something yeah hanalee's like the queen of shadowing and is now just like yeah directing like star trek like every show and i think lily directed ncis and these awesome cable shows and it's like um they're the ones that taught me like oh i guess shadowing if you actually stick to it uh can really make a difference and they really like put themselves all out you know into that world and it worked yeah, um, um, Hanali, her episode is 136. And if you are looking to build a career in television, is a must listen, I would say. For sure. A- a- and one- also uh, the Maggie Kylie episode, which I think is... Oh, yeah. It's not in the last 100, though, I don't think. Oh, is that right? Boy. Yeah, I don't think I got to her because last 100. Um, <laughs> my last thing about Lily Marier, who's episode 184 again, is... After we finished recording, she said to Matt and me, um, if we, you need anything, just email me. Let me know if I can be of help in any way. And uh, she's like one of the few guests that actually said that to us. And she didn't like know it. We, we didn't really yeah. know her or anything. Yeah. She, um, we were just asking like, who would be a good guest on the show? We're looking for these types of people. Um, you stand corrected though. Uh, Maggie Kylie is episode 111. Oh, Shoot, she is on my list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, well, we'll get back to her and stuff. Uh, what's next? What do you got? Next, I have 179, Audrey Moore. Audrey Helps Actors. And this is something, so she has her own podcast. But I thought two interesting things she brought up is, A, this metaphor. <clears throat> she uses it for acting, but I think it's even more, like applies even more to directing, which is that, think of like an olympian like a olympic ice skater and how much the sort of dedication invest, it takes yeah yeah into getting into the olympics and like if you can change the way you think about acting or writing or directing to realize that it's like that type of competition you'll realize like hey if i'm serious about this i can't just like you know tell people like ah, i kind of like to direct or i kind of like to act or i kind of do this i mean there are a few like you know um, exceptions to the rule or people that just like happen to have some natural talent and be in the right place at the right time um, and are pulled up magically but most people like really work non-stop yeah. the same way that an Olympic athlete does in order to get an opportunity to kind of be in the big leagues yeah, to represent you, their country on true TV <laughs> or whatever, wherever they get a job yeah if, if you were going to talk to someone in high school and you were like hey like what do you want to do and they're like oh, I want to be uh, you know, an Olympic swimmer, like if they're not in the pool right now, then they're probably not going to make it to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, I guess the good thing about like writing, directing, acting is like less physically <laughs> demanding mm-hmm. than the Olympics. But in terms of yeah, dedication, less water or snow, yeah. um, chalk. Audrey also told us, I think it might have been off the mic uh, about kind of the length she's gone to to be available um out of market you know like in different cities to get acting jobs and um i thought like kind of that strategy was really interesting to me of like even if you and i hear of like a production company in 
New Mexico that is has projects like finding ways where we can pitch on them and kind of say, we'll fly ourselves out to like present this to you. Um, and it's, again, that kind of extra level of dedication in terms of like getting jobs and booking things and just being in it, you know, it was impressive, I thought, um, in her episode. What um, you got, Oren? What's next? 175, Rebecca Green. Ooh, sure. I mean, you know that one. You know what I'm going to say. You're talking about the treatments. <laughs> the treatment, yeah. She told us about the treatment for It Follows. Liter- and Oren, I think about it all. She was like, oh, man, the the treatment for It, it Follows is just so good. And you go, ooh. <laughs> well, I, it's so hard to sell something with a PDF file, I think, you know, and no attachments. It's easy for me. It's so easy for me. And so, like, I always am so curious to see, like, what are the words? What are the images? What is someone saying to c- create an undeniable story that's, like, 100% original? You know, it's hard. And so she kind of told us about that um, and uh, kind of reminded us that no matter what medium we're using, we should always be storytellers. So mm-hmm. when you're pitching uh, your show or your movie or your short film or whatever, and you send someone, like, logline, synopsis, characters plot sample episodes it's like who wants to read that stuff but when you send someone like on wednesday night monica realized her leg was missing or whatever you know and then like just kind of like pulling us into a document in an interesting way is just so important that we're our job is to tell stories and to pull people along and get people interested in what we're presenting to them whether it's a film or a commercial or a document or a phone call uh, or a podcast. So remember that when you are pitching to people. Next, 171, Don Shirell. Can you guess this one? Mm, is it about the farts? <laughs> no, I don't even remember the farts. Oh, man. Don, ha- he really illustrated the difference between what what's a funny fart and an a, oh, a, yes, a unfunny fart. And so the, the unfunny fart is just like a... <laughs> And then the funny fart is the (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he squeaked it better. But but I think that's a really (laughs) (laughs) But but so that's so crass. And and Don doesn't remember that. But but I think it really does uh, illustrate a sense of storytelling that Don has had his entire career. And that's that like just just showing the thing, just the fart or the kill or the scream or the kiss, whatever it is, that anyone can do that. But like, can you tell a story about those things? Can you build a little tension? Can you ha- add a little human element? I think is real. You know, the like, the like there's struggle to that, right? There, there's, a, there's three acts in it, like the you know, like there's, yeah. that's Aristotelian if, if you want to get. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, well, what I was fascinated by is he started out as a sound engineer, actually. And uh, because of that, he really cares about sound, which might be why he likes fart sounds. Um, but he recommended that in your wide shot, you should always do a take where the boom is right up next to the actors in the shot and just get a clean plate and remove it in post or don't remove it in post and just use the audio from that take. And just kind of reminded us that, especially in comedy, like 
great sound is so important. Mm -hmm. Don't underestimate it. Um, Okay, episode 169. Amanda Doyle and Chrissy Fiorelli. Mm-hmm. Fiorelli. Am I saying yeah. that correctly? Fiorelli. Fiorelli. Um, so this isn't really a, an actionable takeaway, but, and I know this is something that most people probably know, but I just thought it was interesting that they have this pool of actors for commercials and a pool of actors for feature films and TV, and they're not the same actors. Uh, and the reasoning is because uh, to carry a commercial versus carrying a movie is just a totally different skill set and requirement and it just something made me think about that in casting like oh this person has this great look or this great energy or they're so funny or whatever but can i invest an hour and a half or Mm -hmm. eight hours or whatever in this person can they pull me along and keep me riveted um it's just a a thing um you know i mean you're working on a feature now i'm sure it's probably like, like top of mind for you as well like the actors that can sustain versus mm-hmm. the actors that can just hit yeah uh, yeah certainly beats. i you know re- i think that that's maybe our longest episode to date but we cut it we probably cut an hour worth of great conversation out of it it could have been a two-parter easily but i think our schedule didn't work um and i think it's just because chrissy and amanda are so knowledgeable and so invested and so passionate and i think that that's an example of a the type of guest that I want to see a little bit more of on the show, actually, because I think we've had a lot of really wonderful conversations with really exciting, inspiring directors. But I think like, you know, talking to some people who work with directors and make our work much better, I think is really exciting and valuable too. Yeah. So let us know what sure. other kind of crew positions you want and we'll kind of reach out to our favorite people. Yeah. Okay, next, 164 was Michael Gallagher. He is a writer-director, directed a bunch of features, used to be uh, quite a a big YouTuber, one of the founders and owners of Maker Maker Studios. Uh, What he told us that was so fascinating, and I actually think he told us this off the mic, uh, but was that he, after making a bunch of features and having them distributed in a bunch of different ways, his most recent feature uh, that was produced by Jana Winternitz, another one of our previous guests. Uh, he did the, his publicity on his own. He did all his own promotion stuff, bought up a bunch of ad space on bus benches in LA uh, for a month for less than the price of a Canon 5D. Um, that's all I'll say. I think that is on the mic, actually. I think that's on the show. But I think it... <sighs> The thing I loved about that episode specifically is that the way that he figured it out, all, all of the plus, the publicity that he needed to do, is that he just looked at billboards and <laughs> yeah. said, okay, like, is there a brand name on this? And there is. Oh, right. There's a, like a handful. Clear Channel there's or whatever. Clear, there's a handful of, like, billboard companies. And they all say their names. You just aren't looking at them because you're looking at the billboard. But, like, he just figured out who to call called them, got a quote, and then printed up a bunch of billboards and had them posted. Like, it, it's it's DIY. Big scale DIY. Big, big scale stuff, DIY, yeah. but it's the sort of thinking that you have to have as a filmmaker in general, and we apply to like, how do I get the, the camera that I want? How do I get the lights that I want? How do I find right. the actors? How do I, I blow up a building? How do I blow up? Yeah, that. exactly. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to build a miniature, and I'm going to find the guy who does it, and I'm going to order the special parts and all this stuff. All the stuff that we love doing 
but you have to do that for everything you have to do that for for marketing you have to do that for distribution and like that's the nature of the world that we live in now and like it's as simple as looking at the billboard and realizing oh google clear channel phone number and you're there you know right okay so next again this isn't a super applicable takeaway but just thought it was worth mentioning episode 161 ted sim who's the owner uh and host of indie mogul and also the owner of aperture the lighting company uh who by the way hooked me up with an aperture 120d mark ii an awesome light ted sim on episode 161 which is named the internet one get over it I believe you named it that as a pull quote from our conversation was literally just kind of taught me to be less snobby about being a content creator versus a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. I think we really fought hard against him and I kind of feel like he won. And you got over it. I love that. I got over it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I I think that for as two guys who came up in digital, we are still like... (laughs) annoyingly snobby about the difference between what we do and what youtubers do yeah cinema Um, versus youtube yeah yeah yeah. um can i give you a little uh bellwether of the the way that the digital landscape is changing yeah so there's a person who lives on my street who has a vanity license plate that says youtuber (laughs) and they've got their channel on their car doors and i see them driving or they park on my street all the time um, and I've noticed it for years. And mm-hmm. um, just the other day, I was walking by that car and it didn't have the YouTube information on it anymore. And it had a new license plate. And it wasn't YouTuber. It was TikToker. Ooh. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. It's pretty incredible. But in case you wanted to know where the wind was blowing, Oren. Yeah, no, TikTok's giant. And remember, Allison Akel, I think, endorsed it on she our did. podcast. She did. Yeah, and Sam Reich also. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. He was quite good on TikTok. Um, that is hilarious. Uh, the other thing that Ted Sim from episode 161 introduced us to, oddly enough, is this idea of like the filmmaking guru space, mm-hmm. which I think we were unwittingly a part of, but didn't even realize that it existed before he like introduced that term to us yeah i mean i think that the difference between us and other gurus is that i think it's very important that we say that we don't know the answers and that we are um not trying to sell you on the idea that we know the answers you know we have some experience and we our guests have a lot of experience but it's not like you know if you listen to the show you're going to have a three picture deal by the end unless you're tony ascenda (laughs) Um, anyway, I am not your guru (laughs) is a great documentary on Netflix. Um, cool. So episode 159, Michael Feinstein and Nikki Suhu, uh, they made a movie and do you remember he told us, I might need a little memory refresher on this, that he like wrote a personal letter to every actor in his movie Mm -hmm. and a playlist and a playlist. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then they like had, he had some Thing that he presented to them on the first day of the shoot he, he wrote them on a typewriter <laughs> yeah but um but i i'd never done that and i really liked the idea because i think what he wrote in that letter is like why he cast this person like why he cast them and so it kind of like already 
started this like relationship before they even like started working together of like, Hey, this is like what I liked about your audition or your energy or spirit, your background. And like, it just put them, it's something that you and I complain about all the time. Like in commercials, it's like, we met them in the audition for five minutes. Now we have to work with them on set and we have them for five hours and we have to be their best friends in no time. You know, we kind of just like met them for the first time. So I thought it was a, a cool solution, especially on a feature or a longer project mm-hmm. um, of just kind of showing your actors that you care about them and that they were chosen for a reason because they're the face of your movie and you want them to be confident and in a good mood. Can I tell you, um, we actually did a, a slightly different sort of thing for the movie that we're working on now where we had all of the actors come over because um, the, the movie that we're making is holiday party themed. We had mm-hmm. them all come over and like hang out and we took some photos with them that we would use as like props for the the film. But we um do you know what a Christmas cracker is? Is it like a fruitcake type no, of thing? No, no. A Christmas cracker is like uh, maybe I'm misremembering the name of them, but they're basically like a little tiny not a firework, but a little paper toy that you pull the ends of and it kind of like explodes. It's like a tiny little explosion. Oh, like a like, like a, a firecracker, like a firecracker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and inside each of these different little tubes is a toy and like a riddle and a joke and a charade and like a paper crown. And mm-hmm. so we had the whole cast pop their crackers, and then they all took turns like telling the jokes and doing the charades, and it instantly bonded them. Cool. Like it worked. I thought I was like, oh, this is kind of a cheesy idea, but yeah, my only anti-Semitic, but I like it. Well, you know, it's like uh, <laughs> no, just, just a party favor. No, no, no. Fair I'm enough. Fair enough. Um, um, but, but yeah, no, that, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's I think didn't Matt Barber tell us like to take your cast bowling or something or someone? Um, Yu Ling Kuang would take take them bowling and get them oh, drunk. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I love that idea. I mean, I prefer to never have to talk to my actors, but yeah, yeah. if I have to talk to them, might as well get them comfortable. <laughs> um, okay, episode 156, Sam's Viebelman, who, by the way, just emailed me to ask me about an AD uh, recommendation. And I wrote him back and just told him what I thought. And I never said, hey, I'm available to direct your show. So points for me. Uh, anyway, he's the creator, one of the co-creators of Pen15, and he made these incredibly high production value proof of concept videos that like re-inspired me. And I, I think I had in my mind like, oh, let's make these like no budget proof of concept videos that are just like a proof of concept that don't look great. And I saw his and I was like, ah, oh, damn, this is like. Yeah, they look good. Yeah. Look if, good. I mean, they look like some, like it looks like a trailer that could play on HBO. I mean, it's yeah. that good. Um but the more interesting thing is how he created like pen 15 with Maya and um, Alice, Anna, and Anna. Maya and Anna uh, and how he created these other shows is he didn't like have this great idea for a show and cast it and put it together. He actually found actors that he really uh, uh, loved and admired and thought were super talented. And he approached them and said, Hey, I think you're so good let's make, come up with something to make together. And that's where pen 15 came from. And again, I just love that idea that it wasn't, wasn't about like this genius idea. It was just about this perfect pairing of people. And Sam, uh, is who taught me that. 
Way to go, Sam. Yeah, I love that. I think um, I think you nailed it. Yeah, that's a, a good big one. I think also the big swings on um, proof of concept stuff, I think, is really smart as well. Because uh, I think it was Carrie Gologli that talked about how it's easier to sell a promise than anything else. You know, like she, I think, is actually kind of the opposite where she's like, don't shoot a proof of concept because if it's bad, no one will want it. Right. Um, but so I, I guess they kind of the support is, each other, right? Right. Yeah. But if saying, it's awesome, then everybody wants it. Yeah. If you do a proof of concept, it's got to be good. Um, 151, Jocelyn and Don and their movie, they came to talk about their movie Greener Grass, which premiered at Sundance last year. Uh, and I just thought it was cool that their visual inspiration, their movie is like very unique visually and that they were inspired by like a, just a couple photographers mm-hmm. and it made me like start looking at more photo sites and try to be more familiar with like kind of these fine art photographers and, um, you know, it, it's so easy to get inspired by other movies and by other filmmakers, but like uh, trying to just take one step out of it, uh, you can kind of find unique looks that you might have never thought of. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Aronofsky talks about filling the well um, as part of his process of just like absorbing culture, like going to museums, reading books, like learning other things and learning other perspectives, and then letting that come in to inform your work is such an obvious thing, you know, just like, Oh, be a smart, interesting person is really the advice. But I think as filmmakers who are so obsessed and so driven and so aware of how competitive it is, like you feel like you just have to be committed all the time. Like we were saying, that's the Olympian analogy. But my point is really, is just that like, if you're too narrow in your focus, then you don't actually have anything to say or write about. Right. Especially if you're in a, in a, an industry whose goal it is to connect with people. Um, so episode 125, we already mentioned her, Hanalee Culpepper, uh, director that had shadowed a lot and really kind of forced her way into TV in a really impressive way. But I believe it was her episode where she said whenever she goes to a location and there's a window, in it she likes to put her actors in front of that window because they look great backlit um yeah yeah that was i was like but that's like an expensive like that makes something expensive because you need like big lights to like fill in and she was like or you can just shoot them in silhouette and it's kind of weird because i think i don't know why in my head i was like i want the window like always from the side like side light but then like uh, I started just watch like noticing more on TV, like just how awesome it is when they're just putting when windows behind everyone. Yeah, and cool. I, and I love using a location to like inspire blocking. Okay, one twenty two, Augustine Frizzell. We've talked about her a million times, but it's sure. just like so amazing. She made this movie. She was not happy with how it came out. It did not get into any festivals, but uh, she showed it to some people that were like, "It's got potential." Um, and most people at that point would just like either give up or just try to do something totally Make a new, new movie, yeah. But she just remade the movie the way she wanted. She realized everything that was wrong with it and then got into South By, launched her career. She's directing HBO shows now. It was just like an awesome story of like just perseverance. Yeah, she exploded um, right thereafter. But yeah, the, the perseverance, but also the willingness to like, you know, erase those mistakes instead of just pushing forward 
Yeah, and not abandoning a concept or an idea or a project 100% because like things that were fixable went wrong, you know? Yeah, she just went back and fixed them. Yeah. Okay, 112, Spencer Griffin. It's the name of the episode, but it's still just so something great to keep in mind. Do you know what it is? No. Spencer Griffin? Hold on. I'm going to look what it up. What does he say? Uh, he says, Enlo, what's going on, man? That's what he says. Spencer uh, Griffin is an exec at Stupid Buddies. Uh, he's uh, now he's like, at Just for Laughs, actually. Oh, Just for Laughs. He was at College Humor. Oh, Comedy okay. guy, been all over the place, made a lot of TV shows. Pitch the pitch, of course. Pitch the pitch. Just remember, whenever you're pitching some show to anyone that is not at the top of the food chain, you got to pitch it in a way that they can remember it and boil it down to a few sentences so they can go pitch it to their boss or to someone else or to mention it at a party. Um, So if you want any chance of uh, your ideas or your shows or your projects being sold, like remember when you're presenting them, present them in a way that somebody else could take that presentation and represent it to someone else. Pitch people the pitch. Pitch the pitch, baby. Okay, two left. Um, 111, Maggie Kiley. Mm -hmm. Talked about her. Sure, Uh, rock star. So, yeah, huge TV director now, but to me, the interesting story we got from her is that only does she have a family and kids and all the things that might seem to make it a little harder to kind of hustle, but um, she had, like, gone through, like, a director, you know, she was part of femme fatale she was she, part of she had like director's a, workshop for women she a had like, couple features a huge yeah. short shadowed on 30 things yeah she was like this diversity program that program this program this directing program she did everything and like she just was not getting hired and she's also like an incredibly like nice great person and she used to be an actor so she like knows how to work with act- i mean got everything you would want she just was not getting jobs and then someone was like you should check out this Ryan Murphy program. And again, it's kind of like what we said about Augustine Frizzell, where like 99 out of 100 people would be like, I'm done. I've done. This is just such a waste of time. She's like, fine, I'll do it. And then I think she got an episode of Scream Queens or something off that. Yeah. And again. And now I think she's an EP on uh, Katie Keene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now she's pretty much huge. I email her every uh, few weeks because my wife was trying to audition for her show. <laughs> Exact example of something not to do. Um, anyway, she's just like, uh, and just the again, the perseverance. Uh, you see these like very successful people now, and you're like, oh, they must have, they must have something special, or they must have had some easy thing or incredible luck. But uh, no, a lot nope. of these people are just like cranking, working nonstop until <laughs> people can't say no anymore. Um, and the last person. Uh, in our last 100 episodes, we did this at your alma mater, USC live show. What up, Payment Benz? Payment Benz, episode 107. Uh, he, two interesting things. So he works on a lot of TV shows. He directed a lot of episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Last Man on Earth, Teachers, AP Bio, a lot of interesting shows, comedies. Uh, he told us that A, he acts out all the actors' roles, you know, before he comes to set, like in terms mm-hmm. of blocking. Um, so he can kind of figure that out before he's there and see if it makes sense to be that person. Um, and even more interestingly, before he directs a show, he will make a shot list uh, of an episode that he watches mm-hmm. just to see how that show 
shoots their things, you know, how they break down the, the coverage. And I thought that's like a cool idea of how to learn, even if you are nowhere near being a TV director, uh, just getting into the mindset of how TV directors, um, you know, plan their shots is a, a really smart thing. Yeah, I yeah. love that. I, I think that that's also a thing where it's like, it just kind of gets you in the language of the show. But I think another thing that maybe he said off mic, I'm not sure, but you know, in network sitcoms, you have to shoot coverage such that you've got an insurance policy in case some executive is like, cut that joke, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have clean singles basically. And so that means that oftentimes characters just walk into a room, stand there, say their lines and then leave. And there's never any interesting blocking because of it, because you have to shoot things that like, you know, can cut together and cut around whatever decisions you make in later. But Payman's solution to that, if he wants a cross, is to find out from the EP, what is the single line of dialogue they won't cut? What's the right, thing? There's that, no way this goes. There's no way this goes. And then you put the dial, you put the cross on that move. And then everything on either side, at the preceding or ending that clip, you can use that that cross. You can use basically, right? So, yeah, and I think that you can apply that even to like a short or a feature or whatever. Like, what's the most important part in the scene? Like, let's let's put the movement of the camera of the actors or whatever there, so we know that we're not gonna edited yeah. out so we have dynamic blocking but also we're you're safe. not you're not backing yourself into a corner yeah so it's so smart and also like if you know it's the most important line in the scene then it should have a little zhuzh to it give it a little something yeah so that's uh my 20 takeaways from the last 100 episodes few uh, they're all they all have takeaways um but those are kind of the ones that jumped out at me that I still remember and uh, bring up on a weekly basis. So yeah, you got any anything you want to add? Did you give it? A, I mean, we we had like these uh, executives from production companies. We've had all these like amazing people, but uh, you know, these are the twenty that I picked. Yeah, I mean, I think going through them all, it's, it is wild to think about all of the great, cool things that we've learned over the years. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think there's something for everybody in all of these. You know which one actually stands out as one that I don't think about a ton, but is so fascinating and outside of the realm of our show a little bit is episode 146 with Greg Baldy. Do you remember that one? Mm -hmm. He's a commercial director, but he comes yeah. from the world of stunts. So he's yeah, like, and he worked on like John Wick three. And yeah, all sorts of crazy. Things. He uses like a Russian arm all the time, and it's just like, what an interesting guy he was just to like talk about his approach and all the crazy stuff that he does. So fascinating. Yeah. Um, so that was a, like a real was, curveball uh, <laughs> for us. What I remember about him was uh, he wanted me to like dim the lights down in my dining room where we were recording because he wanted it to be like, just feel a little warmer and more cinematic, <laughs> softer. <laughs> Good call, dude. Way um, to go, Greg. Well, Cool. So I guess maybe we should uh, roll into some unpaid endorsements. What do you think? Let's do it. Unpaid endorsements. Was there an unpaid endorsement from the last 200 episodes that 
you listen to and um, still are into this day, like today? Oh, boy. There's so many, I feel like. I'm trying to think of ones. It's hard because at a certain point, you've just incorporated the thing into your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's hard to be cognizant of what was, was an endorsement that you picked up on. I think I've read or watched almost every single thing that's been endorsed on our show. No, that's not true at all. Almost. Ida. Cold War. You you mean any endorsement that didn't come from me? That was a movie or a, <laughs> I maybe have not listened to every album you recommended. Do, there are so many movies that you have like not what? watched. Hell or High Water, I watched I, that snooze fest. Ida. Ida, I've saw Ida. before you saw it. Cold War. Okay, Cold War I didn't see. Dude, it's a masterpiece and it's on Amazon Prime. Okay. I'll watch Cold War. Just off the top of my head. And I'm going to watch Midsummer tonight. Yeah. It's on Amazon oh. Prime also. Are you really going to watch it tonight? It's too scary. Is it long? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. We'll see. Um, okay. Um, well, you got any endorsements? Oh, you do have an endorsement. Yeah. This is one for you, Oren. So uh, on our shoot, I don't think I told you this. Three people on the first day of shoot uh, of shooting were out sick. Our AD, our scripty, and a location rep um, who we were going to use their apartment apartment for staging. And what do you do as sick. a professional filmmaker when someone calls in sick? You got to replace them, right? Um, yeah, most of the time you replace them, but you can't replace an AD uh, the morning with of. no prep. Yeah, the morning of with no prep. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and our scripty, it was it was rough. It was a bummer to not have her. Um, and she tried to replace herself a couple times, but it was just like, it just didn't work out, basically. Uh, it was just too hard, and she was, had a fever and all that stuff, and she was back the next day. Um, but so, as a result, I've been trying to, like, we got everybody uh, emergency, and we're just making sure that everyone's staying healthy, hydrated, and just n- trying to not get them sick. And... Uh, one of our customers was like, you know what you should try is the medicine ball at uh, at Starbucks, which was, I think, an off-menu item that they've since added. And now it's called the Green Honey Citrus Mint Tea. Hmm. And it's like steamed lemonade, green tea, mint tea, uh, ginger, and honey. All is like a hot toddy beverage. And it's must and be caffeinated, right? With the green tea. Um, uh, maybe I guess it's got a little a little zip to it. But um, but I just had one, and it was delicious. Wow! And I got it from your Starbucks Reserve. Two hundred episodes, and I finally convinced <sighs> Matt to go to Starbucks. And no one recognized me at the Starbucks. Well, Reserve. Uh, you need to put a giant just shoot it sticker on your laptop. Yeah, I guess I should. I got recognized this morning. Did you really? God. But it's by someone that I've seen there many times. Our oh, listener, Nathan Presley, happened to be there. Oh, what a, what's up, Nathan? Um, well, great. Uh, so I kind of historically have not really read a lot of fiction books. I don't know why. I just like always preferred autobiographies or like, for lack of a better word, like self-help books, but like kind of social psychology type of books, like Malcolm Gladwell type junk Um, but I picked up this fiction book at the airport and I just started reading it yesterday and I'm like halfway through already. It's so, such a page turner. 
I just kind of like forgot about page turning fiction books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's called fun. Lexicon. It's by this guy Max Berry, and it's like kind of a sci-fi thriller told in like two different times. It kind of like reminds me of like Hannah meets the Americans. I don't know. It's mm. really good. I don't know. It's just like I'm unexpected because I've had it. I bought it like almost a year ago, and I just finished uh, that Duplass Brothers book like brothers uh that's pretty good and i was like oh, i guess i'll start reading this and it's um it's really great so uh, it's called lexicon cool. by max berry uh so yeah check it out um anyhow are you on uh social media i am i'm at mr matt enlo across all social media especially instagram i'm not really tweeting much anymore i, I deleted it from my phone and uh it's like Twitter, tweet. It's like Twitter. I feel like is like like um the world, or at least the American society. There's just like the people that have been been investing in year for years, and they're like kind of at the top. And then there's everyone else down below, like in the poverty of Twitter. Like they tweet once every few months or something, or only like read tweets. And I I just feel like I can never break into like one of those people that tweets a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it has to it's a muscle basically yeah. yeah and it's much more fun to take a picture sometimes yeah also like i used to love twitter when it was like a place for jokes yeah and it's less a place for jokes yeah. now all politics um well i am on instagram at o kaplan and check out my account i post breakdowns all the time of things um i actually did a super cut of my reel with uh some other guys reel that copied my reel exactly. And I was going to post it, but I showed it to my wife and she's like, I don't get it. Why did you make that? So <laughs> I don't know if I will or not, but I do post a lot of fun breakdowns. So check me out on Instagram at Kaplan. I will uh, maybe follow you back if you follow me. <laughs> we, we, um, we're going to do another one-on-one episode next week, I think, um, just to talk about like a big catch up basically. And I, definitely we have to get into how a guy ripped off orange reel in a very direct way in a in an undeniable way and then followed him on instagram and i can't decide if it's super charming or stealing yeah i think so maybe in a week we'll we'll have decided yeah i think that's actually right yeah he's a charming well kind of have you seen that movie yesterday or do you know what it's about at least? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I actually yeah. haven't seen it, but I know the premise. And I kind of feel like this guy is like living the life of the main character from that because it's like, what if, you know, lightning striked and like struck mm-hmm. and um, the Beatles no longer existed, but you know all the Beatles songs. So this guy, he lives in Mumbai, India. And it's like, what if no one in your community knew who Orrin Kaplan was? Um, only you know all the secrets of Orin and you're using them to get ahead in life. Kind of feel like. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's what this is a spoiler. <laughs> this is a spoiler. So uh, genuinely a spoiler for yesterday. So if you don't, if you don't want to hear this, oh, I haven't seen yesterday, it. Do you not want me to spoil it? Uh, I, I guess not. I was warning the listeners. I don't care if <laughs> it's not that big okay. a deal. It, you should see the movie. It's quite charming. And I don't think really ruins the movie at all, but there is, the specter of like some people who remember the Beatles 
like you can tell like oh like someone will say like play abbey road or something even though the main character hasn't written that song yet quote unquote written that song oh interesting um and so like they're kind of like showing up at his concerts and like trying to get backstage and stuff and you think that they're going to be like hey you stole from the beatles and we know the truth um but then at the end they're just like nah man we love those songs we're so glad you someone found them could remember them yeah yeah and then they give him a hard time about like lyrics that he mangled that's awesome um, you should see that movie. Yeah, I'll check good. it out. I think it's on some streaming service also. Or I think it's on HBO. Yeah, it, it, it's a crowd pleaser. Anyway. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you want to email us, we're just shoot it pod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail, 262-6-SHOOT-1. We love those. Rate us on iTunes. Go to patreon.com slash just shoot it pod if you want to support us. And yeah, we like you. Thanks for listening. 200 episodes in, and I feel like we're not slowing down so yeah what what do you think um why would you stop uh i i don't know i mean i guess if like i have if either like we started getting a lot of hate mail or i really offended someone or i found like a better podcasting partner i don't know <laughs> no i don't know right now you know actually because i'm like well it's a was super busy with like a feature or a tv show or something i don't know i feel like i'd still kind of make time to do this because it's fun it's it, pretty easy it could be complicated it could be complicated if we were um if you were making a star wars movie yeah even if you could carve out the time like the ndas and the conflict of interest i think it would be that would be one of yeah but you and i are constantly not talking about the things we're working on because we know that they're like sensitive sure so yeah i think i'd be okay uh yeah. jj if you want to come on the podcast let us know by the way there's there more star wars are we done i don't know anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> hey uh thanks everyone 200 episodes deep still going strong yeah uh this episode was edited by jonathan luna our webmaster is ewan williams you're listening to music by the artist jazar provided by the free music archive our ad music is provided by Musicbed. i think that's all she wrote see you next time Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.